Okay, so if you've got a Bible with you, why don't you turn with me to Isaiah chapter 6. And we're going to read verses 1 to 8. So Isaiah chapter 6, starting at verse 1. In the, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. Two wings they covered their faces, and two they covered their feet. And with two they were flying. And they were calling out to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, um, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. So today, as I say, we're starting this new series um, called Different, um, and it's looking at this subject of holiness. And as we think about holiness, it's been actually a really hard topic to get my head around. And Rich and I were chatting um, over by the Splash Park the other day. We were with our children. It's okay. Um, and we were just talking about the fact that it is, it is quite a complex thing to understand. And there'll be this moment where we're kind of, yeah, we get it. And then all of a sudden, we like, don't quite understand it. And then we'll look at it a bit more. And then we'll get it again. And then it will just go. But anyway, I think I've got there now, which is, I'm sure you're pleased to know. Um, but the thing that changed it for me was um, uh, my wife, Rachel, sent me a link to something to read um, online, and, and it was this. David Mathis, a pastor in Minneapolis, he was talking about holiness, and this is what changed my understanding. He said this, as we think about holiness, so often we think about how we fail. We think about what we do not do, but holiness should be thought about in the context of what God is. Holiness should be thought about in the context of what God is, and I will explain this as we go on. R.C. Sproul wrote in his book, The Holiness of God, he said, holiness is one of the most important ideas um, that Christians can ever grapple with. It's basic to our whole understanding of God and of Christianity. So how do we understand it? Well, John Piper um, uses an illustration from the end of the C.S. Lewis book, uh, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. So there you have Reaper Cheap the Mouse, and he's sailing off to the ends of the earth. And Piper says, the, the word holy is the little boat in which we journey to the world's end of an, in the ocean of language. So the possibilities of language to explain holiness eventually run out, and then we spill over the edge of the world into this vast unknown. Holiness carries us to this brink, and from there on, it is only the experience of God that can help us to understand 
holiness. And I found this really, really helpful with the fact that if I try to define holiness, I only get so far. And from then on, my language runs out. I have to know God. I have to know his holiness. I have to experience him to be able to define it that step further. See, every effort of defining holiness, um, of defining God in this way, ultimately winds up with us saying, God is holy, which means God is God. The very godness of God means that he is separate from all that is not God. He is not holy because he keeps the rules. At the end of the day, he made the rules. He is not holy because he keeps the law. The law is holy because it reveals God to us. God is our absolute. And that is how we understand holiness. So we're going to look at this passage in Isaiah And hopefully, we will get a glimpse of what holiness is. We will get a glimpse of God's holiness and try and understand how great that is. So my first point, God is holy. I'm going to reread Isaiah 6, 1 to 4. In the year um, that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling out to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds um, shook, and the temple was filled with smoke." See, now remember that God is holy because he is separate from all that is not God. So he is different from the world. Some may say he is set apart. And the passage that we've just seen shows us some examples from that. So let me quickly go through them. The first one, he is alive. How do we know that? Well, in verse 1, there's this stark contrast between the fact that um, the king has died, but the Lord is alive. God is alive. He always will be alive. Death will never take him from this world. It cannot hold him, but it will take us. So that's verse 1. Verse 1, again, he has authority. See, we know he has authority because he's seated on a throne. Now, who sits on thrones? Well, it's kings and queens, isn't it? They sit on thrones because they have authority. God, in verse 1, is seated on a throne. He has authority. Thirdly, um, he is all-powerful, or to use a, um, a Christian word, omnipotent. So verse 1 again, he is high and exalted. He is lifted up. He is the most powerful person reigning high above. He is all-powerful. He is impressive, verse 1 again. He is wearing a robe with the train that is so big, it fills the temple Now, either the temple was tiny and he had a little robe, or it was a massive temple and he had a massive robe, okay? Either way, it's full. Um, So it's pretty impressive. He's respected, moving on to verse 2. Around him were the the seraphim, the angels. Now, the seraphim were the highest order of angels that there were, Um, and they had these six winds, and they respected God so much that they covered their face so they wouldn't see him. They covered their feet out of respect, and with the other two, they flew above God to attend to him, to serve him. So he is respected, and we see that through the angels. He is holy. 
So um, we see his holiness not only through how great he is, so with the picture of his authority and it being in the temple and the way he's dressed, all those kind of things. And um, we see that, but also we hear what the angels say. They say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. They are constantly declaring his holiness. He's glorious. And they go on to say, the whole earth, the whole earth is full of his glory. There is no one more glorious than God. A few days ago, the Queen came to visit Berkhamstead, and um, there's a, a town um, just over the other side of Hertfordshire, and some, some of my friends live in the area, and some of them were invited along to um, the church, the service, so there's the odd selfie, not with the Queen, but um, just of themselves, um, and there was various pictures and videos that were all on um, social media, making us all feel bad that we didn't go, um, but the thing that, um, that I, as I noticed on it was that it was impressive. You saw her authority, you saw her greatness, because the entire road, the high road that we so often go up and down, was barriered off so that nobody could get onto the road. There was the Queen's car, which was an amazing Bentley, I think, and then there was all these support vehicles that were with her. There were police everywhere um, to keep her safe, because she is so important. When... um, it got to the church. Um, my friends said that they weren't allowed to take photos within the church. Um, but if you also even just looked at what the queen was wearing, she's impressive. She's important. She is powerful. And actually, as we look to her and we see that, how much more impressive, um, how much more authority, how much more power does our God in heaven have that we see from this passage in Isaiah? So, as we start to see and understand how awesome and how holy God is, it does also start to show us how we are not holy. So, the second point, we are not holy. Isaiah, after seeing the holiness of God, he was so aware of his sin that he said this, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5, "'Woe to me,' I cried, "'I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips.'" I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Now, sin. We don't often like to talk about sin, do we? Because it's like other people sin, not me. Other people do things that are bad. But when we start to see how great God is and how awesome he is, we start to see the flaws in us. Um, This series we're doing, we've been reading um, this book called um, Different by Simon Ponsonby. And in his book, he writes about, he refers to our, our sin and our morals. And what he says is that morally we are confused. No longer do we know so much what is right and wrong. See, one person's wrong can be another person's right. We no longer challenge people about things because it's okay for them to have their opinion. And who actually knows if they're right or if they're wrong? Our moral standards have changed. And you see that, on, you see that um, online. There's outcries over some things that you sit there and think, are so, so, so simple, where there's, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of people in the world that are trafficked every day. But yet the outcry is not there. Where is our moral boundaries on these things? And as we look to God and as we read the Bible, we start to see how amazing God is, and we start to see God's moral standard for our lives. We start to understand 
in God's eyes what is right and what is wrong. Now, we all know that we sin. We know that we mess up. We know that we do wrong. But at the beginning, I said, we're actually going to look today at how we can be holy. Now, Chris um, was speaking a couple of weeks ago um, at holiness, and and he mentioned in, in the Blessing series, and he said that holiness is an invitation to a relationship with God. And what I really want us to understand this morning Um, is that we will never, never reach the holiness of God. It's not possible, because that means that we will be God. Um, So that's not going to happen. But we are invited into a relationship with God. And sometimes, as, as, as Isaiah was writing, that may seem almost impossible, because we are of unclean lips, we are sinful people, we do things that are wrong. But there is hope for us, that gives us the ability to be holy. So thirdly, we can be holy. Isaiah chapter six, six to eight, reads this. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt has been taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. Now Isaiah's soul was low. He was feeling so low about his sin that he said, I am unclean, I am not worthy to be here, to be in your presence. He was saying, I'm not good enough for God. But actually, if you see in those verses, at that moment when Isaiah said that, what did God do? God dispatched one of his best, one of the highest ranking angels that he had. He dispatched him from attending to the throne of God himself to go to Isaiah. He was so concerned about him that he sent his best, allowing him to stand down from his duties to attend to Isaiah. And then the angel brought this burning coal, and with it he touched his lips, not to harm him, but to cleanse him and to purify him. So often the Bible talks about purification through fire, that refiner's fire. Um, There's songs about it and all kinds. Um, But how do we know what is happening in this moment as we read this passage? Well, the coal that we see in verse 6 was taken from the altar. So it was either the altar of incense or it was the altar um, of burnt offerings. Both of them had fire continually burning in them. Either way, both represented um, God and his, his cleansing of his people, and it represents the things that were offered on that altar. So God, so concerned for Isaiah, he shows him Forgiveness. Verse 6 says, See, um, this has touched your lips. Your guilt has been taken away and your sin atoned for or forgiven. See, if you notice, it's not just his sin that is dealt with in that moment, but the guilt of the sin as well. Because so often when we do something wrong, when we mess up, we, we know that God forgives us for that, but it's the guilt that kind of eats away, isn't it? It's the guilt that we need to deal with. And God in that moment He says, your guilt is taken away, your sin is atoned for. So he dealt with the guilt, and then he told him that his sin had been forgiven. And when Isaiah realized this, his soul was lifted. 
And God looked around and he said, who will we send? Who would do the good work for Isaiah? For, for God, sorry. Who would do the good work for God? And Isaiah said, here I am, send me. See, if God had asked that question before Isaiah had known the forgiveness of God, before that moment of that, that purification, I think Isaiah would have said, not me. Don't send me. I'm not good enough. You are so great. You are so holy. You are so impressive. I'm such a sinful man. Don't send me. I'll mess it up. I'll get it wrong. But after Isaiah had received the forgiveness, he was, he was literally pumped. His heart was just pounding, I'm sure, and he was ready for God. He was ready to stand for God. His soul had been lifted. And he said, I will go, send me. He had experienced the heart of God and he was ready to live for him. But what does this mean for us? Well, we haven't had a coal touch our lips um, in the vision from God, but we have Jesus. We have Jesus. See, many years after this, God deployed his best. God sent Jesus as the ultimate sacrifice. He gave his best, his one and only son, to die on a cross so that we could be forgiven for those things we do wrong. We could be purified. We could have our sins atoned for, as that Isaiah passage says, for each and every one of us. Now, over the Easter period, we, we looked at this in a lot more detail. And, and do, do catch up on the podcast if you missed those sessions. Um, they were really, really good talks. And it will be worth getting a greater understanding of that. When we ask for forgiveness, we are forgiven because of the blood of Jesus shed on the cross. And that's what starts to make us holy. That entering into a relationship when we say yes to God. Holiness is that invitation to that relationship with God. Last weekend, I took a bunch of youth to the Vineyard National Youth Weekend away, DTI. Um, overnight, it was about one degree. It was freezing. Um, but apart from that, it was great. Um, and we sang this song. And the, song that we, um, the lyrics of the song was, I'll go anywhere, I'll do anything for you. And I think as I, as I stood in that, in that hall, as nearly a thousand young people were standing there with us, worshipping God, saying, I'll go anywhere, I'll do anything for you. It was amazing. It was truly amazing. To think that for them to actually stand there and sing that, they had to have the heart of God. They had to be on that journey with God and to say, here I am, send me. I'll go anywhere, I'll do anything. And they can say that because they know they've been forgiven by God. See, as we have a relationship with God, as we understand him more, we will have a greater desire to be like him. Some say to be Christ-like. Christ being um, God is so holy that we desire to become more like Christ, more holy in everything that we do. And as we draw closer to God, we become more holy. See, as we look around the world, we're influenced by um, things around us, aren't we? So um, celebrities so often are an influence on people. The way that people dress will be influenced by a, by a celebrity. Maybe even their haircut. Loads of things start to influence us. For me to become more Chris-like, not Christ, Chris, I had to grow a beard. No, no, I didn't. It wasn't because of Chris. I just thought I'd do it anyway. Um, 
But we, we are influenced by those things, aren't we? And as we look at how awesome God is, as we look at how great God is, as we walk that road with him, as we journey with him in relationship, we would desire to be more like him. We will be so much more aware of our sin and those things that we do wrong that we would desire to be like him. We're still going to mess up. We're still going to get things wrong because at the end of the day, we're sinners. But we are sinners saved. Do we get a louder amen? There we go. Um, see, no longer are we to die an eternal death, but we are to be raised with our creator, our holy creator. Every time we mess up, we just need to take it to Jesus. We need to lay it before him. We need to look at how amazing God is, and we need to know his forgiveness. Maybe even that, that picture of the cold cleansing would be useful. Remind ourselves in that moment of verse 7 where it says, your guilt is forgiven, your sin is atoned for. You are forgiven for everything. Have you ever wondered why so often from the front we say, come Holy Spirit? Have you ever wondered that? I was reading again in Simon's, in Simon's book and um, it referenced this and I thought, I thought, yeah, why did we say that? And so often it may seem as just a, just a little phrase that we say, but actually there is so much intention to it. Because we say it because we want to invite the power of God. We want that intimacy with God, to know God. Ada Weedhow wrote that the Holy Spirit is, first of all, our moral flame. So when we invite the Holy Spirit into us or those that we're praying for, we're saying, God, come and dwell within that person, that they may have a relationship with you, that as they journey with you or as we journey with you, that we will become more holy. Because if we have the Holy One dwelling within us, it will change us. It will change us from the inside out. So never again lightly say, come Holy Spirit. Unless you want to see change, unless you want to see God change you or somebody else from the inside out. We need to seek God for change in our lives. See, our heart then becomes more like God's heart. We start to see um, what God has for us. And as Isaiah um, did, we start to become so aware of our sin and the times that we mess up and the things that we do wrong. As we walk with God, we become more holy um, and we get to know the heart of God so much more. At DTI, we um, had finished a session and we were praying for the young people. And there was one of the um, young lads um, said to me that he had a word for another one of the lads. He was 13, this guy. And um, he, he said that he had this word. So we went over to this other lad and, and he spoke out this word. And it was so profound um, I, was, I was in awe because he was um, relaying stuff to this guy that there is no way he could have known. I knew the stuff that he was talking about because it's my job to know, um, but he didn't know the things that were going on in this other guy's life. And I then said to him, well, why don't you pray that over him? So he started praying, and he prayed into that moment and into that situation. But the thing that I think was extraordinary and amazing was the, the 13-year-old that was praying that had had this word burst into tears. He was sobbing his heart out. Why? Because he's walking closely with God, because he has the heart of the Father within him. And the overflow of that 
of the father's heart within him was manifested in his tears as he sobbed for his friend. And as we, do you know, actually it was, I was just, it was such a beautiful moment. And to be the privilege of standing and experiencing that with them, it was amazing. As we experience the Father more, as we journey with him, we will, we will take on the Father's heart. As we minister to one another, as we welcome the Holy Spirit into our lives, our lives will change. We will become more holy. We will have the heart of God within us. See, holiness is not just something we do on a Sunday. It's not just something that we do in church. It's something that is a lifestyle, a choice for every day. There's a story of a youth worker who is constantly encouraging his young people to read the Bible. Because we all know, don't we, that the Bible is the truth for our lives. The Bible is the place where we, one of those places where we can experience the goodness of God, where we can get a greater understanding of him. So this youth worker um, challenges his young people to read the word. And one night, um, one of his young people um, was, just before he went home, he said, do you know, I've been reading the Bible a lot more recently, and I've started to change. He said, no longer am I fearful, no longer am I worried, no longer do I panic. I come to church and I leave joyful because I experience God. And actually, as that youth worker went home, the youth worker knew that that person was closer to God. They were becoming more Christ-like as they grew closer to him through reading the word. They were becoming more holy. And actually, the story goes on to say that that youth worker was joyful. That youth worker was um, so joyful as he reflected on how God changes each and every one of us. Guys, we need to get into the word. We need to be spending that time with God. See, being holy like God is an amazing thing. We won't ever be as holy as God, as I said, but God allows us to change. God pours out into us, and we can become more holy. See, we are his children at the end of the day. If we have accepted Christ, we are his children, we are forgiven, and we are in a relationship with him. To become more Christ-like, to become more holy. See, as Christians, we are called to holiness. We are called to be holy. And when we understand God more as we journey with him, we will change. We will be different from the world, and we can start to change the world. One of the most disappointing things this year for a Spurs fan is Leicester City. The, the very reverend... Um, uh, the Dean um, of Leicester said this. This is not a fairy tale, maybe. Um, it is real. It speaks of the growing confidence of this city. We see again what the church proclaims. The diverse team working in a diverse community with a common purpose to reshape the world. A huge congratulation to the foxes. And actually, I, I heard that quote this morning as I was driving in. And what I thought about it was actually... He's talking about a city changing. And do we want to see our city change? Do we want to see the places that we live change? Because at the end of the day, we are called to be different. We are called to be holy. And as we are set apart for God, as we minister for God, as we, as we take on God's heart, that will start to change those around us. Because we will be that different person in the workplace. We will be that different neighbor 
um, that is kind, compassionate, caring, whatever it may be. But as that Dean of Leicester talked about the city changing, I don't know how much that's true, but anyway, um, we could start to see that if we have God in us, if we walk in the holiness that God has for us. See, holiness is not about what we do or what we don't do, what we do right or what we don't do right. It's about our relationship with God. It's about recognizing our sin first and foremost, seeing how awesome God is and knowing that we are forgiven. And church, is that something that you want? Do you want to be changed? All we have to do if we are following Jesus is just welcome the Holy Spirit. Say, come Holy Spirit. And then the awesome God that we read about in Isaiah, the God that has authority, um, that is just amazing. The God that there is like none other will come and dwell within us and change us from the inside out. Church, why don't we stand? We're going to stay in silence as we minister today, I think. And I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to welcome the Holy Spirit. And then in the silence, we're just going to see what God does. And we're going to see how God starts to change us from the inside out. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you call us to holiness. I thank you that as we stand for you, we know that we are forgiven. I thank you that as we journey in life with you, you change us from the inside out. I thank you that we have the ability through God himself to change our cities and our towns. And Lord, we stand here and we say, come Holy Spirit, come dwell within us and change us. So let's just wait in the quiet. And I'm going to journey you with me for a moment. And what I want us to do, if you're just sitting there and you just don't know what to think, just think about that description of God in Isaiah. Think about how awesome God is. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. More of you, God. I can start to see just little trickles of the Holy Spirit working through people. More of you, God. Bless what you are doing. And as we, as we think of God and his greatness, 
In your mind, why don't you picture that, that angel, that highest angel coming to you with that burning coal from the altar, touching your lips, saying your guilt is taken away, your sin is atoned for. Why don't you picture Jesus on the cross, his blood poured out and shed that we may know forgiveness. Thank you, Lord. More of you. If you have a desire to walk more with God, to become more holy, why don't you just, with your eyes closed, raise your hand. Just as a, there's nothing... There's nothing spiritual about it. It's just saying to God, here I am, send me. I will go anywhere. I will do anything. Change me from the inside out and make me holy. Father God, I thank you. I thank you that you're God. I thank you that you dwell within us and that you would change us. I thank you, Lord, for each and every person with their hand raised that are saying, here I am, send me. I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything for you, Lord. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would dwell so deep within them. That every day they would experience you more and more that we would know that forgiveness and we would impact those around us, that we would be different as we are called to be.